You're listening to the Jets Nation Podcast. Hey, I'm Cody Bueller, joined by my brother Kyle. Hockey is back. We are so excited for today's show. We've got a full NHL season preview. Of course, we're going to specifically look at the Winnipeg Jets, some of the players they sent down, some of the roster moves and the roster for the opening night. And we are going to take a look at the contracts that they signed with Kyle Connor and Patrick Liney. The deals are finally done. Everybody's here, except for Bufflin. Let's get this show started. Kyle, I am excited here for segment number one. We've been talking about it all offseason. It's what everybody's been thinking about. We've got some huge news since our last podcast. Patrick Liney, Kyle Connor. They've got new deals. Yeah, I mean, it, it was great to see. It was pretty much inevitable at this point, uh, getting so close to the season. You knew a deal had to get done. And at that point, pretty much every RFA had gotten done. Uh, I think Miko Rantanen was signed about the same time as Line A. So not a huge surprise that the deals got done, but I'm just glad they, they finally did. And so they can both be in the lineup for game number one. That's a big thing. And so now Patrick Laine getting a two-year bridge deal, and that was announced on the 27th. Uh, two years, $13.5 million, a $6.75 million cap hit. And then Kyle Connor getting a seven-year deal worth $50 million, a cap hit of 7.14. Your thoughts on those numbers? Did the Jets overpay? Did they pay just right? Did they get a deal? Where did this fall for you? Well, I don't think either deal is really surprising at all in my mind. They both fell in line with what people were expecting. You might argue Patrick Laine's was a little bit high, specifically because he only got two years. Uh, we see a cap hit of 6.75. I think it was a Braden Point getting that, but that was for three years. Uh, some of the other guys getting three-year deals around that money. Laine only locked up for two years at that money, so that's a, maybe a little bit high for Laine. Uh, but Kyle Connor, I think, um, fits exactly in with what people were pretty much expecting him to sign right from the get-go. And so now when you look at Kyle Connors, obviously it's a little bit higher than what Patrick Laine is making, but that's because it's a long-term deal. Laine's is a shorter deal, so it's less money. And I know some people don't necessarily understand why it works like that, but that's just the way uh, it is getting a bridge contract. Laine is still a restricted free agent at the end of this deal. But for Kyle Connor, he's going to be a UFA at the end of this, but it's a full seven-year deal. I don't know if it's going to be great value necessarily in the first year. I think it probably could be close, but then hopefully if he can keep progressing, that should be good value by the end of this contract, especially since he'll still be fairly young when it's over. And then for Patrick Laine, I think this is good incentive for him. I think the Jets have yep. no problem wa wanting to pay him if he can put up the numbers that he's capable of. And if he can do that for two years, pay him the tons of money. Yeah, I totally agree. And from the player's perspective, uh, Kyle Connor probably, uh, I'm not going to say he had his best season last year, but he put up an awful lot of goals because he got the prime playing uh, area with Shifley and Wheeler on the top line. If Connor doesn't play on that line all year, he's not going to get as many points. For So for from his perspective, he wants to lock in that money for as long as possible because if he happens to play on the second line this year, who knows what his, his next contract would have looked like had he signed a bridge deal. And Line A, the exact opposite. He's betting on himself saying, I know I had a down year last year. I don't want to sign long-term from that down year. I'm going to prove to everybody I'm going to prove to the Jets. I'm going to prove to the world that I can score 40 again. I can score 45. Heck, maybe I can score 50. And then his next contract is going to be even more so. And I think the Jets want to see that from Line A. So they're okay with, with Line A betting on himself as well. Because then if he does have back-to-back -back great seasons, they know he's more of a sure thing going forward. 
Well, exactly. And so I definitely think that's a win-win going forward. They are able to get them both under the current salary cap. They still have a little bit of wiggle room. And especially if Bufflin's not in the lineup, then they definitely have a lot of room to make some more moves and to make some more additions, especially on the back end. And so I really like these contracts. Line eight, initially, there was talk of him wanting upwards of 9 or 10. Uh, but obviously, that would have been if it was a long-term deal. And so I think that's why this bridge is definitely uh, the right play for this moment. Is there anything else you wanted to mention about these two contracts and getting these guys back in the lineup? I think we all know what they bring to the ice. Yeah, the interesting thing I think with Line A's deal is the two-year term uh, brings them at the end of this at the end of this deal. He'll have five years in the league. That's still two years away from uh, UFA status. So that is one thing to kind of keep in mind. Uh, the Jets at that point he'll be arbitration eligible. Maybe if they go to arbitration, it's a one-year. Uh, then they can go to arbitration again the next year. So it's a fairly lengthy way for Line A to stay in the organization, and we know that um, because if it's a three-year deal, then he's only one year away from free agency. But now the Jets have essentially two more times to try to sign Line A to a long-term deal, if that makes sense. They have after this next deal, if they sign him to a one-year deal, they have after that deal again before he hits UFA territory. So I think it's a great deal for the Jets because they give themselves ample time to sign Line A um, if there's any sort of contract issue going forward. Now, do you remember what the last year of his deal is worth? Because it's an average of 6.75. The yeah, so I think the first is uh, it's about $6 million and the second is 7.5. Uh, so then the qualifying offer in two years' time would have to be at $7.5 million, which I think would be right in line if he has two good seasons with what we would expect. Yeah, they would need the bottom to fall off for him to not be worth that at the end of that second season. If he even just keeps up, even if he still only scores 30 goals and maybe he comes a little bit more defensively reliable, I think that's still worth it at that mark. And so, obviously, still a lot of hockey to be played between now and then. Let's move on. Speaking of hockey finally being played, I was so glad to see these contracts done because now the season is about to start, and that's where we're going to go in segment number two. Like you just mentioned, hockey is upon us. I can't believe it's it's been so long since we watched meaningful hockey, especially for the Jets. So great to see them on the ice again. But one thing that you need to do before they hit the ice is set out the final roster. I thought you were going to say set your fantasy roster because you need to do that well, too. I mean, I did that as well today, but the Jets also had to set their roster uh, as well. Probably a little bit more important than my fantasy team. Uh, debatable, but they've definitely got a lot more money riding on the line than I do. For them, uh, the announcements have been made. Uh, what did you think of Eric Comrie getting sent down and then getting picked up off of waivers? That kind of surprised me a little bit. Yeah, it's it's a frustrating thing because it feels like you're losing a guy for nothing, but um, there's really no other option uh, for the Jets because if he's not waiver eligible, you're not going to keep him on the roster and keep three goalies. It's just that's, that's what happens sometimes. Um, honestly, though, it's probably good for Eric Comrie. He'll move up the depth chart a little bit, um, being claimed off in Arizona. So probably a good thing for his career, because um, realistically, he probably doesn't have much of a future here in Winnipeg. For sure, not as a number one netminder with Hellebuck being uh, signed to a long-term deal and Mikhail Bairdin uh, coming in and playing very well in the AHL as well. So honestly, maybe it's for the best for Comrie. The Jets. Would have liked to have him on the moose, but it's not the end of the world. Well, I just remember a couple of years ago, we were talking about Eric Comrie as a potential goalie for the future. There was still some uncertainty with Connor Hellebuck. We were we were just loving on Eric Comrie, and we thought, oh man, we could get all sorts for him if all of a sudden you decided to trade for trade him away and you could get a bunch of pieces back, and now you lose him for nothing. 
To me, part of me is just disappointed because there was so much promise. There was talk that we could get maybe all sorts of other assets if we were to trade them away. Did the Jets mismanage this asset? I mean, it's possible. There was rumors as of uh, even a week ago uh, there there was teams interested in Eric Comrie. So had a deal gone through, um, then obviously you're getting something back in return. But like I said, nothing's guaranteed, especially sending guys through waivers. The Jets sent however many other guys through waivers, and nobody bats an eye, Uh, especially the last waiver claim of the year is always an interesting one. Um, There's a lot of players that other teams could have picked up that could have made teams better, but they all ended up essentially passing through waivers except for the guy that Winnipeg picked up and so now when you we'll get to that just one second but when you send a player down through waivers every team gets a crack at him and so Arizona gets to pick him up but now Arizona has to keep him in the NHL because if they send him down then the Jets can just get him back kind of like what we saw with Marco Dano yeah, exactly. So they would essentially keep him on the roster. If not, um, I, I'm not sure. I think there's some sort of um, some sort of period of time uh, where the rules are slightly different. It's a week or a couple weeks or whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, he would have to clear waivers essentially again um, if he were to stay up for a little bit and then go back down. Yeah, so that just a little bit of um, just one thing to maybe take note of. Who knows? Maybe we could get him back in the future. But again, you're right. We don't really need him in the system with uh, Burden in the AHL. But looking at the one other move, and like you mentioned, Carl Dahlstrom coming to the Winnipeg Jets from the Chicago Blackhawks. And apparently he was overseas uh, with the Blackhawks as they're getting ready to play there. And then the whole transition back, I saw a story about it online. Uh, what do you think of him or just just another kind of a depth player? Yeah, I don't think it's really going to make an impact for the team, especially on the ice. I don't think he's going to be in the lineup uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, people are essentially just saying it's it's more depth, and you can never have too much, especially with Bufflin still up in the air. If he does choose not to return, uh, then it's just another guy, uh, kind of a replacement-level type player. Uh, people are saying just a slight upgrade over Anthony Botetto. Uh, Botetto probably going to be playing most of the season with the Moose, so then you have Dahlstrom maybe in the press box role. I don't see him being much more than that uh, this year, but you never know what can happen with injuries and stuff. We've seen it all before. Well, right now, when you look at the defensemen for the Winnipeg Jets to start the season, Potato, Pullman, Pionk, Kulikov, Hainala, Dahlstrom, and Morrissey. And so doing some quick math, that's seven defensemen. And so that means Hainala, Dahlstrom, and Potato one of those three guys are probably going to be sitting out, and it's probably going to be Dahlstrom, like you said. And so that means Hainala is going to be seeing NHL action here for the first few games. But if Billy Hainala is not ready, he might get sent down after his nine-game audition. And then it's basically Batetto or Dahlstrom. And then you're still waiting on Morrissey. Niku's right now been sent to the AHL. That kind of surprised me. But you kind of mentioned before we started the podcast, that's due to injury with him. If he's not ready to go... The Jets are going to have to be starting Dahlstrom. Does uh, did you mention Nathan Beaulieu in there either? Oh no, he's on the IR, so he right now he is not on their opening roster. Yeah, so it might be a little bit uh, interesting for the first few games, but like but like you kind of mentioned, uh, Hanela kind of gets a, a nine game free pass, right? And then he has the option to go uh, up, down, um, sideways, wherever we want to put him. Um, <laughs> but for, it might be a little bit interesting for the first few games. But once Beaulieu gets back in. I think three or four weeks is what they're saying. Uh, once Sammy Niku gets back, uh, because like I was mentioning earlier, um, Sammy Niku is not expected to play for the most this year. Uh, Paul Maurice spoke very highly of Sammy Niku uh, all through a training camp during, I think, the one preseason, maybe a two preseason game look we got from Niku. He's going to be 
a, a really good defenseman for the Jets this year. He's going to have to be. Uh, essentially, what happened was he, he ended up having a groin injury during camp. Um, this is just a conditioning stint to get him practice and maybe a game or two with the Moose uh, before he can jump back up to the NHL. I don't see Miku spending any extended time with the Moose whatsoever. Uh, I expect him to be right back up in the lineup as soon as possible. And so now looking at the forwards that have made the team for the Winnipeg Jets, Andrew Kopp, Adam Lowry, Brian Little, David, David Gustafson, Mark Letestu, Blake Wheeler, Nick Ehlers, Jack Rozovic, Patrick Laine, Mark Shifley, Gabriel Bork, Kyle Connor, Mason Appleton, Matthew Perot. Not a lot of surprises there. I was excited to see Gustafson making the squad. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that's the one real surprise because coming into camp, uh, he wasn't even really a thought to make the roster. He thought he was thought of as for sure one year away, uh, but you have a great camp. Good things can happen. Uh, same with Hanel on the back end. Um, and then Veselina on the exact opposite side of the spectrum had a not very good camp, uh, maybe due to that car accident at the start of camp, bumps and bruises, that sort of thing, um, but actually getting sent down to the moose at the start of the year. But great for Gustafson. Like to see him there. Uh, the one interesting thing as well is Brian Little out with a concussion, uh, so the lineup might look a little bit different uh, to start the year, but all in all, no real big surprises for me. Uh, Mark Letestu, I think he only played two NHL games last year, um, mostly in the AHL, so we'll see if he can kind of make a resurgence for the Jets, but I also don't expect him to be in the lineup, especially when Little comes back. So Little is out of the lineup. Tanev obviously gone from last year's squad. Hayes also gone. Uh, so those are the three players. When looking at the Jets lineup from last year in the playoffs, those are the three that are not going to be in there for the opening game tomorrow against the New York Rangers. Little with injury. Obviously, Hayes and Tanev are gone in free agency. And so you think, oh, you're only losing three. None of them are that big of consequence. But then when you look at the Jets' forward lines, it definitely looks a lot thinner than what we saw last year. Ehlers, Shifley, Wheeler. Connor, Cop, and Line, Perot, Lowry, and then Gabriel Bork playing on that line. Hopefully he can fill that role. And then Letestu, Roslevic, and Appleton on the fourth line. Doesn't really excite me. The bottom six, I'm sure Bork can fill in with Perot and Lowry. Hopefully Cop can get something, some chemistry with Connor and Line. Fourth line, I think it'll just be a fourth line. It doesn't, the bottom six doesn't really excite me a whole lot. Uh, but I guess maybe they'll siphon in Gustafson a little bit, give him some work, give him a look. Your thoughts on the Jets' forward lines? Yeah, I actually disagree with you a little bit because I think these lines aren't too bad. Obviously, there could be some improvements here or there, but I think the top line of either Shifley Wheeler is going to be really strong. Again, it's a different look than Kyle Connor up at the front. Uh, just a different look with Ehlers there instead of Connor. And I really like moving Cop up in between... Um, Connor and Line, I think that's going to be really good. Um, Connor and Line played together a little bit uh, last season. You, you think it'd be almost an awkward pairing because they both love to score, but it actually worked really well um, for a while together. Anyways, I think Cop can be solid between them. That third line, I think, is going to be excellent uh, with Lowry, Perot, and Gabriel Bork. I was very impressed uh, with how Bork played during the during the preseason, he had a number of solid games, uh, scored a couple goals. So I think that third line is going to be really good. And we saw Jack Rozovic on the fourth line now to start, but we saw him playing second-line minutes for most of last season with Ehlers getting hurt. So Rozovic has that experience. He had a hat-trick uh, earlier last season against Anaheim. He, had a, he was the first star of the week one week as well last year. So Rozovic's got some real potential this year. If he's playing down on the fourth line, He's a guy that could really probably step in, get some good quality um, scoring chances. Maybe not with Latestu in the lineup, but let's say you put Brian Little there instead of Latestu. 
and instantly they become one of the best fourth lines in the league. So I think you've got some really good options when Little comes back um, from injury, but I actually don't mind the lines how they are right now. And so then looking at the defense, and this is just in our season preview for the Jets specifically, uh, other than Josh Morrissey, and again, Beaulieu is out and Bufflin's still at home. We don't know what's going on with him yet. No real news as far as that is concerned. What are you thinking as far as D pairings go? Because there's going to be no Niku. Really, you've got one top-pairing defenseman and a lot of bottom-pairing defensemen that are going to have to play higher in the lineup. Kulikov is going to be your second-pairing defenseman. Pionk is going to be probably playing up high in the lineup in the top four. And so then you've got Pullman, Batetto, Hanela, Dahlstrom. It's going to be a mishmash here for the first couple of games. Yeah, I think you kind of have your top four as Morrissey, uh, Kulikov, um, are probably your top two for now. Uh, Pionk's up there, and I think you put a handle up probably on that second pair uh, just with how he looks so far, and then your your bottom pair is probably Pullman and Potato, uh, some sort of combination like that to start the year. Um, but it's going to be really interesting to see how Hainala holds up, especially if he's playing second pairing minutes. Um, you just never know how that's going to go. So a bunch of new names, a bunch of new faces. For this year, returning players, new players, everybody, Kyle, who is your pick for breakout candidate, or who do you think is going to have a great season for the Jets? Who are you most excited to see this year in a Winnipeg uniform? I mean, <laughs> at the start of the year, or before training camp, I wasn't too sure what we were going to be looking at, but I think uh, but w- with what we've seen from Hainala at the in preseason, if he can stick with the club, and I know it's going to be tough, he's a young, he's 18 years old, uh, he's not a big guy, uh, he's um, fairly small, if he can handle the daily grind of the NHL, he's going to be a really fun player to watch all season long. So he's kind of your breakout pick? Yeah, for sure. Just with what we've seen from him, he looks really, really good. Uh, I believe he's actually been practicing with the second power play unit. Uh, the Jets plan on using him a decent amount uh, to start the season right away. I am personally excited for Nick Ehlers, and I know it's he's a regular in the top six, and he's been around for a couple of seasons. I feel like there have been some down years for Nick Ehlers, and he hasn't been getting as much credit as maybe he deserves compared to Connor and Lana getting all the attention and Wheeler, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like some guys are kind of forgetting about Nick Ehlers. I just I don't know what it is, but I've just been having a good feeling about Ehlers that he's going to have a really good season this year for the Jets, and so that's my pick. Looking at the team overall, with the defensive issues, with your confidence in the forwards up front, how do you see this season going for Winnipeg? Narrative-wise, making the playoffs, everything. Yeah, I think they'll definitely be a playoff team. A lot of people are saying they're on the bubble or worse, um, specifically because of all the defense they lost. That's the main area of concern. I think the Jets can still score a ton of goals. Nobody's arguing that. Uh, specifically, it's the defense that causes concern. Uh, the interesting thing um, for me is maybe the shift in the mindset of the defense. And I know a few other people have pointed out online, the Winnipeg Jets are trying not to defend this year. And what I mean by that is they're trying not to let the opposition gain entry into their zone. The Jets realize they're going to be a small defensive core. They're not going to be strong, They're going to, be, but they're going to be fast and they're going to be able to pass the puck up the ice with ease. So what they want to do is they want to really close down those gaps. They don't want to allow entries. They want to get the puck out of the zone before it even gets into the zone. And if the Jets can do that and not get backed on their heels like we saw so much last year, I think that's going to be really good for the team overall, and it's going to be a lot of transition play. 
a lot of getting the puck up the ice quickly, and I think that's going to be really good for the team, and I think it'll play well into their really fast forward style of playing. So I think they're going to surprise a lot of people with their, their shift on how they play instead of people just saying, well, they lost guys, they're not going to be as good. Well, maybe they're trying to shift their style and play, play it differently because of those new guys, and I think that's going to be a good thing. Yeah, and I think that because some of the advanced stats at the end of last season weren't the greatest, and they kind of went in slumping into the playoffs, and then they got bounced by the St. Louis Blues, I feel that there could be some awakening. It sounds like everything's, all the feathers have been smoothed, if you will. It sounds like I think everybody's kind of on the same page right now. Haven't heard anything as far as problem-wise going into the season if everybody can settle their problems and different differences and everybody can get along and have a good season, I think that there's a real, from what I've been hearing in practice, there's been, like you said, a real defensive mindset and that the forwards come back the and help out the defense. The defense can then move it in transition, play the gaps at the blue line a little bit better maybe than what we saw last year. If And this is one of my theories, and let me know what you think about this. One of my theories is that when there's a backup goaltender in net, Oftentimes, teams play better in front of them. What, what do you think about that? It's possible. My thinking is that I've seen this a few times, and it's not every game, and it's not all the time, but when you know you have a backup goalie in net, you play harder, you come back to the puck more, you play more defensively minded because you know that your goalie isn't going to bail you out. It's not your number one guy. You don't want to give up a great scoring chance because it's not your number one guy in net. I think that might be the same philosophy for some of the forwards this year, knowing the defense isn't Dustin Bufflin and Jacob Truba back there. You, When they're coming in on the rookie, Vili Hainala, you know, oh man, I better get back. It's just Hainala and Morrissey back there. I need to come back and help out. And I'm, I'm not saying that's a pairing, but just as an example. And so my thinking is that, especially with Maurice, from what I've heard, sounding like he's really trying to focus and preach that, I think things could be actually not too bad for the Winnipeg Jets this year if they can buy in as a team defense uh, compared to what we saw at times last year. And so that's just kind of my th- two thoughts. So where do you put the Jets in the standings, Kyle? Well, uh, depending on uh, depending on a lot of things, honestly. Um, I actually had, um, I think I was filling it out for uh, Jets Nation. They were doing a, a season preview, uh, p- putting out all my answers. I saw that they, everybody was picking division winners. And I saw for the Central Division, uh, nobody had picked the Winnipeg Jets at that point. So I went ahead and I threw the Winnipeg Jets name in there because, I mean, we're the Jets Nation podcast. Obviously, the Jets got to gotta perform well. Um, but honestly, I think the Central is wide open. A lot of people are saying um, Dallas could win it. A lot of people are saying Nashville is going to win it again. Um, I honestly think it is wide open. If the Jets can play well, there's no reason why they can't be fighting for near the top of the division again if they, like you said, buy into that team defense and take another step forward with these young guys, there's no reason it can't happen. I am right there with you. i not necessarily going to pick the Jets to finish first in the division, but I am definitely going to pick the Winnipeg Jets to make the playoffs. I think they could be a wild card or they could be kind of between the wild card and maybe third in the division. I think that they definitely have a chance to make it this year. I think they could potentially get past the first round. Uh, Somebody asked me the other day to give me their take. Are the Jets going to make it past the first round? Give me a hot take. And I said, yes. I think that I've got the confidence that they can make it past the first round. And really, at that point, anything can happen. I just think that uh, I think it's definitely a possibility. So let's take a look now. Now that we've kind of covered the Jets, the offseason, getting ready for the year ahead, let's take a look at the rest of the league and who the Jets are going to be going up against. 
All right, so for the final segment, it's the full Winnipeg Gents season preview. We'll look at the rest of the NHL. Uh, Let's start, Kyle, out in the east in the Metropolitan Division. So that's Carolina, Columbus, New Jersey, the Islanders, the Rangers, Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Washington. Your thoughts on that division and kind of where you see that stacking up? Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I think uh, the Rangers are going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, Jacob Truba coming in, uh, Capo Caco coming in, uh, Artemi Panarin coming in. Yeah, that instantly makes the Rangers uh, maybe not a Stanley Cup contender, but uh, a, a for sure playoff team, maybe fighting near the top of the division. I like the New Jersey Devils as well. Maybe I just like those teams getting the first and second overall picks. I don't know, uh, but I think those teams are going to surprise uh, a lot of people uh, heading into the season. Yeah, they've got Jack Hughes, P.K. Subban, and Taylor Hall's going to be coming back from injury. Uh, definitely some things to be positive about in New Jersey. Carolina uh, has a lot of people uh, picking them as a team that's going to make the playoffs and definitely make some noise. They made it last year. They had that whole uh, kind of fun mentality. The tough part then is, though, can they do that again? When you have that fun team and you kind of get that national attention, you kind of go on a ride, Is they, are they for real? Are they going to stay? I know I've got a hardcore Carolina fan here at the radio station that I talk to on a regular basis, and he is all in. The defense looks really solid. They've got some young, exciting players up front, Sebastian Ajo. A lot of the forwards, though, aren't household names yet. Maybe this is the year that they kind of jump on people's radars. I think Pittsburgh's always dangerous. Washington's dangerous. Carolina's dangerous. And so I put those three kind of as the top three, and then I've got New Jersey and New York fighting for a wild card spot. I think the Columbus Blue Jackets are going to fall off. I think Philadelphia hasn't done enough uh, to get it done. And then the Islanders, I'm not sure if they can get that defense going like they did last year. So next up, we want to go to the Atlantic Division, one of the toughest divisions in hockey. Were you going to put this as the toughest, Kyle? I mean, yes and no. I, I don't know. Honestly, I don't buy into the whole one division that much better than the rest. I mean... They're all fairly comparable. Maybe one slightly weaker, but especially when it comes to playoff time, I mean, it's totally random. It is what it is. I don't buy into that nonsense. So how are you putting out the Atlantic division? Top teams, you mean? Yeah. Uh, once again, it's tough because I think uh, everybody knows there's three really good teams in the division. Uh, so it'll be between Tampa Bay uh, it'll be between Boston and it'll be Toronto uh, fighting for that top spot all year. Tampa Bay likely has the edge uh, once again. They haven't really lost anybody. They somehow just keep gaining. I don't know how that works in Tampa Bay, uh, but they'll be just as good as always. Uh, the lease will be almost exactly the same as last year, um, even more offensive with Tyson Berry coming in, maybe even less defensive. So they're going to be really inter- interesting to watch. Uh, so I think the division is going to be very similar to what it was last year. Yeah, I think it's a lock. Tampa, Toronto, Boston, top three. And then the other teams in the division kind of fighting for the wild card. Ottawa, I still don't trust. Buffalo, still not convinced with them. Detroit, Florida, maybe kind of a bubble wild card team. Uh, maybe Montreal as some of their players and can kind of put it together. But none of those teams really give me a lot of confidence in the Atlantic division. And so now moving over to the West, and we will wrap up with the Central Division where the Winnipeg Jets are in the Pacific Anaheim, Arizona, Calgary, Edmonton, Los Angeles, San Jose, Vancouver, Vegas. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, I think it's a very clear divide again between the top and the bottom. I think Calgary is going to be right near the top, probably winning the division uh, similar to last year. Um, I think Vegas is going to be strong again. Um, But then after that, it kind of drops off a little bit. Um, I think the Oilers are going to struggle once again. Can they get into a playoff spot? Potentially a little bit of shakeup with their roster, but you never know. 
uh, with the Oilers. Um, San Jose, once again, they're just aging, uh, losing Joe Pavelski. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, how the range or uh, how the Sharks shape up. But other than that, I mean, it's probably Calgary, Vegas, one, two. Yeah, no, right there with you as well. Uh, Arizona, I think, could be pushing up to be a bubble or playoff team. I think they've they've been doing some things that gets people excited in the desert. I'm not super confident in them. Uh, Anaheim, definitely not confident with their lineup. Edmonton could be a bubble team. Los Angeles, not confident. Vancouver, I always hope for my Canucks, longtime Canucks fan before the Jets came back. I hope that they can make a push. Maybe Pedersen and if Besser can get all of his... Uh, health issues have figured out and everybody's there and healthy, they could be okay. But again, it's definitely going to be Vegas and uh, Calgary is kind of the top two. Uh, I was talking to somebody today. I asked them, they, they don't, they follow hockey casually and they know all the teams and they've kind of been paying attention. And, but I asked them who do they thought is going to pick the uh, win the Stanley cup this year. They picked Calgary. And I think there's definitely something to be said as, for that as a legitimate chance they along with anybody else could have a shot at a hoisting the Stanley Cup and so now to the Central Division Kyle take us through your thoughts yeah it's going to be interesting to watch the Central Division there's been a lot of up and down recently um, a couple of years ago Nashville perennially the the winning the, the division I don't know if they will anymore uh, bringing in Matt Shane is a big ad but I'm not sure they have enough to really stay at the top of the division. I think they're going to be down a couple spots. Uh, everybody's really pumped about Dallas this year, adding Joe Pavelski uh, from the Sharks. And Corey um, Perry. Yeah. Does that matter, <laughs> no. though? No, I just – a mean, name. Like, it's going to be an interesting team to watch Dallas, right? They, they could be really good. They might not be so good with a bunch of uh, guys getting older in that lineup as well. Uh, if Ben Bishop can play like an all-star Vesna candidate goalie again, they obviously have a chance. If not, they might not be as good as everybody thinks they are. Um, beyond that, I think the Jets will be in the mix, like you said, for third-ish in the division. Um, but other than that, St. Louis is going to be solid again. Uh, and then there's kind of the lower half of Minnesota, uh, Chicago. So I don't think it's going to be a, a – and uh, I guess Colorado is one I'm missing. They're probably going to be fighting similar to the Jets uh, for that wild card slash third spot. Um, so it's going to be interesting to watch. There's a lot of teams that could be really good, or there's a lot of teams that might just kind of fall by the wayside. We'll just have to wait and see. Hopefully the Jets aren't one of those teams that falls by the wayside. I know some analysts kind of picking the Jets to be just out of the playoff picture – because of the defensive issues, and so we are definitely a lot uh, higher on the Jets than some of the uh, so-called experts. Uh, I'm right there with you. Chicago and Minnesota at the bottom, uh, and then I think Nashville probably won't win the division again. I don't know if they can do it, and so I'm going to probably say it's going to be Colorado, Dallas, or St. Louis that's winning the Central Division uh, if it's not the Winnipeg Jets, and I, I like Colorado. They've got some young guys coming in with like Kale McCarr on the back end, and then adding Kadri uh, up front on the defense or on the uh, up front forward wise. I think it helps them, gives them a little bit more depth, and hopefully they can spread some of that talent out because that top line was so elite last year. They if they can get some depth scoring, I think they could be pretty solid. Uh, Grubauer in net again. I'm I'm really liking Colorado this year. I'm still hesitant, like you, with Dallas, with Nashville, has concerns. Can St. Louis? recapture their magic that they had last year is Bennington maybe down or in the in uh, is Bennington potentially going to have a down year there's always potential for that when you're talking goalies and so again I think uh, you could make a case for each of those teams right now other than the Winnipeg Jets because that's I know who we both would pick who's going to win the Stanley Cup this year 
that's that's tough. Um, if you were to put a, if you're, a, this is the first show of the season with everything starting tonight. Who are you picking to win the Stanley Cup in 2020, Kyle? And obviously, we both say the Winnipeg Jets, but who's going to be there other than the Jets? I mean, maybe it's the obvious pick, but uh, I think Tampa Bay, after their absolute debacle last year, they can't be as bad as that. So I think Tampa Bay's got to win it eventually, we, we would hope. Yeah, I was definitely uh, probably going to say Tampa Bay as well. But now, kind of like one of my coworkers said, I'm going to jump on Calgary. Uh, if it's not the Winnipeg Jets, I'm obviously fully cheering for the Jets, hoping that the Jets do it, thinking that you know anything can happen. But I'm going to put uh, Calgary taking it uh, from the West. So there you go. There you have our season preview. Is there anything else you wanted to add, Kyle? No, I think that's about it. Well, if you have anything you want us to ask us, uh, get us to talk about on the show, hit us up at Jets and Podcast. And of course, check out all of Kyle's work on JetsNation.ca. Find all of the Jets Nation podcasts at JetsNation.ca.